Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. While we were glued to the Christine Ford Kavanaugh soap opera, terrorists were still plotting jihad. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. Yes, indeed. While we were all glued to this soap opera yesterday, and don't tell me that you weren't, uh, television, radio, internet, that is pretty much, except for when people had to actually do their job, that is pretty much what everyone was doing yesterday. Watching um, the hearings and the Senate, uh, where Christine Ford was alleging that Brett Kavanaugh, when he was a high school kid, um, uh, sexually assaulted her. And um, we're going to be talking about terror topics today, as usual. But I do want to put in my two cents about this um, this hearing and this situation. I am appalled um, as a forensic, putting on my forensic psychiatrist hat, I am appalled at what has been going on um, in the Senate, listening to this woman who has no credibility uh, in terms of no proof that it was Brett Kavanaugh. None of the people who she named as having been at this high school party uh, say that they remember or uh, have any kind of knowledge of any such party. Um, some of them saying they don't even know who or they didn't know, they weren't friends with Kavanaugh to begin with. And, and yet, this took up the whole day yesterday uh, a whole hearing, not only of the people in the Senate, but of America. And while we were dwelling on this, um, I'm going to tell you today about things that were happening in terrorism that were kind of important. But um, just to finish the Christine Ford matter, uh, I believe, and I know some of you are listening to this and you're thinking, what, as a woman, as a psychiatrist, I can say this. Yes, um, because first of all, as a forensic psychiatrist, I have examined women, psychologically examined women who have made allegations against men for sexual assault. And I have been on both sides of the fence, both sides retained by with the women plaintiffs and the male um, defendants. And in some cases, the women were absolutely right. Um, they were assaulted and they were emotionally distressed by what happened to them, had, you know, incredible damages by what happened to them. However, in some other cases, the women were what's called malingerers. They were lying. Um, a lot of them had been sexually assaulted before, but just not by the man that they were blaming it on. And I believe that that is what is happening with Christine Ford that I believe that she was sexually assaulted by someone. And I think it was someone prior to being uh, 15. That's the year, the age that she claims that she was assaulted by Kavanaugh. Um, the thing that's the giveaway for me as a psychiatrist is when she particularly talks about how she felt she was afraid 
she was going to die, that he was going to accidentally kill her because he was on top of her and he was heavy and he was big and, you know, basically that he would squash her and she would die. Now that is um, very similar to what I have heard many women talk about in terms of being sexually assaulted by their father or an uncle or a stranger, but a man, a bigger man, when they were a littler kid. So, um, yeah, so and that's why she's coming across as so credible, because um, in fact, she was sexually assaulted, so the tears and the you know, emotions are real. They are just directed at the wrong person. Well, that's all that I'll say about that for now, because uh, we're supposed to be talking about terrorists. And the connection to terrorists is that while, as I said, we were all glued to this soap opera, because it was riveting, um, there were lots of things going on around the world that um, was the continuous um, continuation of jihad, continuous plotting and so on. Um, by jihadists. Now I'm going to talk about um, some things that happened in the Netherlands and in Belgium and then I'm going to go to something that happened in New York City that um, I hadn't heard of until uh, yesterday when it was happening um, and until uh, today when I was uh, preparing this podcast and it's rather important. But let's first go, we'll, we'll kind of build up to that. Let's go to the Netherlands. Um, the Netherlands uh, arrested seven men over an alleged plot to carry out a major terrorist attack involving guns and explosives. So they arrested seven men. Um, they wanted, these men were uh, planning to carry out what they called a major terrorist attack at a public event using explosive belts and an AK-47 assault rifle. They were trying to uh, get these, um, uh, these weapons, uh, AK-47s, hand grenades, and bomb materials. The men were between 21 and 34. Three of them had been arrested previously for trying to travel abroad to join foreign militants. The man at the center of the group is a 34-year-old Iraqi, um, convicted in 2017 for trying to travel to fight for the Islamic State group. And the, they were tipped off about this plot in April. The, in the Netherlands, the uh, authorities were tipped, out, tipped off in April by intelligence services. And they were, they were told or they discovered that this main subject, suspect wanted to target, quote, a large event in the Netherlands where there would be a lot of victims. So um, they sur conducted surveillance on them um, and waited until they, you know, had um, some, until they had enough evidence that they were actually going forward with their plans for this attack. And um, they discovered that they, these terrorists wanted to carry out twin attacks involving a bomb and a gun attack and an event and a car bomb somewhere else. So um, they were not only they were also not only seeking these uh, weapons, but they were seeking firearms training. And when they were arrested, they had five small handguns. 
Now, the Netherlands is currently at a threat level of four out of a maximum of five, and that is probably due to, or at least in part due to, the fact that earlier this month, there was an attack, which you may or may not have heard of. It was kind of, kind of kept quiet. Um, there was a jihadist who stabbed two American tourists in Amsterdam, and he was shot. So <clears throat> the, that's presumably the reason why the terrorist um, level, the threat level was raised then. Well, let me tell you now about Belgium. This is a kind of a very interesting story. Did you know, because I didn't, did you know um, that Belgium, by the way, just a reminder for those of you who haven't listened to all my podcasts, um, I went to medical school in Belgium, the University of Louvain. Um, and so I, Belgium is one of the countries along with, with France and, and, uh, the UK that are near and dear to my heart because I lived in those countries as well. So when I hear about something like this happening to Belgium, it is particularly disturbing. Um, the, I'll give you the, the headline for this, uh, for this story and, um, I'll give, go into more details when we come back. Um, Belgium, the headline of the, of the topic is Belgium suspends aid to the Palestinian Authority Education Ministry for naming schools after terrorists. The bottom line that I'll go into in the next uh, segment is that Belgium has been aiding, um, giving money to the Palestinian Authority to uh, found schools, and then they discover that this, these schools have been named for terrorists. Now, as you may well know, Belgium has become a hotbed for terrorists. They were the terrorists who were involved in the Paris attacks. Uh, the mastermind was in Belgium. And um, there's a particular area in Belgium near Brussels called Molenbeek that is a hotbed of terrorism. Terrorists were continuing to plot jihad against the West. And I'm telling you about some stories, of a, a sort of a potpourri of stories that were going on yesterday. Well, um, we, we were not paying attention at all. Um, okay, well, so I'm starting to talk about, I mentioned about the Netherlands, this attack that they foiled, and um, Belgium. So the Belgian Ministry of Development Cooperation um, just announced that the glor quote the glorification of terrorism or perpetrators of terrorist acts is not acceptable under any circumstances. Well, yes, we we kind of know that, but this is this is what it's in connection to. Um, I was as I mentioned, Belgium um, has donated money to the Palestinian Authority. And only to find out that this money that was to go to schools um, has been, these schools that the Belgians paid for, Belgian taxpayers paid for, have been named after terrorists. And um, Belgium, as I was saying, is a hotbed of terrorism, not only in regard to places sending out terrorists like uh, the mastermind and other terrorists who attacked Paris in 2015, but also even within Belgium, there have been attacks. You may remember the one at the airport not long ago. 
and the train station. So basically, um, Belgians discovered that they were paying for terrorists, uh, to, for schools to, to teach kids to become terrorists. Because what, you know, you go to a school named after a hero terrorist, um, what is the message to these kids? So they discovered um, that uh, the Palestinian Authority had named two schools after a terrorist Dalal Mugrabi. Um, so Belgium severed all financial support to the Palestinian Authority Ministry of Education. Now, um, the, the uh, Palestinian Media Watch exposed that Belgium had forced the Palestinian Authority to rename a school funded by the Belgian government because it was named after a terrorist. But so, so they, you know, they're saying Belgium um, made the Palestinian Authority rename a school. Okay. But on the same day that the Palestinian Authority did that, renamed this school because Belgium caught, Belgium caught on and they were angry, the Palestinian Authority named two other schools in the same neighborhood over terrorists, over the, in fact, after the same terrorists. So they took down the name, they changed the name of the one uh, when Belgium found out that they had uh, used their money to fund a school that they then named after a terrorist. And then, so instead, they named two other schools after this terrorist. So um, Belgium did not, Belgium did not like being mocked like this. And um, they canceled all funding of Palestinian Authority schools until no schools are named after terrorists, not only the ones funded by Belgium. Um, in September 2017, when the Palestinian Media Watch published a special report exposing that the Palestinian Authority Ministry of Education named schools or, or systematically named schools after terrorists in general and has named at least 32 schools after terrorists, and three after Nazi collaborators. So some 41 schools um, glorify martyrs and martyrdom. And um, so then also that's what in the report, in this report of September 27, 2017, um, that's when you know, they reported that one of the schools named after Dalal Mugrabi um, who was a terrorist who led the murder of 37 civilians, that that school was named after money from Belgium. Um, so they, <laughs> they were kind of tricky. When Belgium gave them the money, they called it the Beit Awa School. And then when Belgium stopped paying attention, that's when they named it to Dalal Mugrabi Elementary School. So, um, then in July 2018, uh, it was exposed that despite Belgium's complaints, the school was still named after this terrorist, Dalal Mugrabi, and that it finally changed the name of the school to the Belgian school, but then that's when they renamed a nearby school after the same terrorist, and they named it the Martyr Dalal Mugrabi Elementary School, and then they named the second one, the second Dalal Mugrabi 
their public schools. So now Belgium is fed up, realized that they can't trust the Palestinian Authority, and they have canceled all funding of Palestinian Authority schools until no schools, not only the ones who are funded by Belgium, but no schools are named after terrorists. So um, that was that was a good thing to do. It's kind of uh, you know it just it, it that story tells a lot about um, about basically how the Palestinian Authority isn't trustworthy. How we need to pay more attention. You can't just uh, go home and expect the schools to be or you know expect things to be as you wanted them to be. I mean even after donating money. Okay, well, let me go to the main thing that is um, that happened yesterday while we were glued to the soap opera in the Senate. Um, well, that was happening in D.C., uh, not that far away, in New York City at the U.N. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was giving a speech, and he was talking about and holding up um, photographs of uh, two atomic warehouses in Tehran, one that he had revealed in a previous talk at the UN, and then yesterday his talk was to reveal a second place where Iran was um, keeping things related to their ongoing plan uh, for nuclear weapons. So he talked about a secret atomic warehouse in Tehran he accused Europe of appeasing Iran, and he, um, and I'll tell you how that is, I mean, that's, he's not the only one to uh, bring that up. Um, that is actually happening, uh, let me just tell you, Europe, um, you know, the United States, President Trump and the United States pulled out of the Iran agreement um, not long ago. And which I think was, uh, fine, you know, uh, finally, uh, that they should never, the U.S. should never have entered into it in the first place because there are all kinds of problems with it uh, that we don't really have time to get into today. But hopefully, um, you've, you know, that's that debate has been around for a while, so you know about that. But um, really, the bottom line is that it did not provide enough security for the U.S and it was only for 10 years, and there were lots of other problems with it. So, so Europe is um, you know, a little angry at the US right now, uh, <laughs> a little angry. And so they actually have purposely continued uh, going along with this agreement with Iran. And it's kind of, you know, it's not a smart move because not, you know, well, like, yes, just right after I'm talking about what Belgium discovered, um, clearly it's not a good idea for uh, the European Union to trust Iran either, to trust terrorists, basically, either. Um, so, but, but it's, I think it's more out of their uh, disdain and annoyance for the various things that... Um, that President Trump has been doing, which to which you know, which has been correct and long overdue, uh, in terms of tariffs and you know trying to get a fairer deal for the U.S. and um, pulling out of the climate accord, which was not to say that we are not for uh, or not don't believe in 
climate um, problems, but um, just that that accord was not done in a fair way. So finally, the U.S. has a tough president, a strong president who is trying to make America great again, and the, that has shaken up Europe. But they are doing the wrong thing in going along with um, their enemies, you know, with Iran, with this nuclear deal, uh, it, just to spite the U.S., because really they're going to be the ones who are going to end up being hurt as well. Just want to put in one, I can't help getting back to that, but I just want to say that, you know, in all of the um, cases that I mentioned earlier that I have worked on as a psychiatric expert witness, um, uh, cases of women, and I've also worked on cases of men, like in the priest abuse cases, for example, um, people alleging sexual assault or abuse or rape or whatever now that's you know which is a kind of a key thing that she is not saying that he raped her um and one only has to wonder you know how even if it was him we're talking about high school and i would love to see you know the people who live in glass houses um the the people who were so ready to jump on Kavanaugh as being uh, an evil man. Um, you know, how many of those people in that Senate hearing, how many of those men drank in high school and college? And how many of those men at high school parties, and even college parties, um, would kiss women, would try to, you know, get as far as they could with women? I mean, um, again, she's not saying, she never said she, that he raped her. Um, it, it just, it's just, it seems to me a whole lot of, uh, a tempest in a teapot. Not that, not the fact that women, I don't mean that it's a tempest in a teapot that women get, uh, sexually assaulted. That is a problem. And that needs to stop, especially, it's especially horrendous on college campuses that has increased horribly. But I'm talking about this particular case in which there is no credible evidence that it was uh, Kavanaugh. Okay, anyway, getting back to what happened at the UN yesterday while we were watching uh, the Senate, um, that Netanyahu gave an important speech where he pointed to a, on it literally pointed on a map, uh, to two circled areas in Tehran, circled in red, where he was talking about a second spot where there was uh, evidence of activity um, of Iran not stopping their nuclear ambitions, which, of course, it was stupid for us to think that they would in the first place. So it is not such a big surprise. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's great. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's important. It's not great, but it's important that, um, that, I mean, clearly Israel has means of detecting these things. And it is important that they are doing this work um, for which the United States should be very grateful because um, it's not just Israel that Iran wants to attack and, and annihilate. Um, they have made it clear that they want to do that to the U.S. as well. So the fact that Netanyahu found a second spot in Tehran that is um, rife with nuclear activity of some sort uh, it's important and significant and, <laughs> and should have gotten more attention uh, or at least as much attention as the Senate hearing. So um, what 
he he had shown um, uh, well it's been four and a half months since President Trump withdrew from the accord with Iran, the nuclear accord, um, saying that it did too little to rein in Iran's nuclear ambitions and um, triggering, because he, they, he withdrew, it triggered um, the resumption of US sanctions on Iran. So Iran is not happy these days. Um, and so Netanyahu's speech, he said, I am disclosing for the first time that Iran has another secret facility in Tehran, a secret atomic warehouse for storing massive amounts of equipment and material from Iran's secret nuclear program. Um, so now, of course, Iran, the uh, an Iranian foreign ministry spokesman said, that the world will only laugh loudly at this type of false, meaningless, and unnecessary speech and false shows. And then uh, Iran's foreign minister, Mohammad Javed Yarif, said there should be more scrutiny on Israel's nuclear program. He said, quote, no arts and crafts show, he was referring to the, uh, it was a photograph with this, these red circles around the places in, in Tehran where there was nuclear um, ambition, activity. Um, he said, no arts and crafts show will ever obfuscate that Israel is only regime in our region with a secret and undeclared nuclear weapons program, including an actual atomic arsenal. Time for Israel to fess up and open its illegal nuclear weapons program to international inspectors. Well, the only difference between Iran and Israel, though, in terms of nuclear arms, is that Israel has not threatened and does not plan to um, use these, uh, whatever they may have, <laughs> I'm not privy to exactly what they have, but let's even assume um, that they have nuclear weapons. I don't think that is much of a secret, really. Um, they are not planning or have not threatened to any other countries to use them on anybody. It is just for protection. Whereas Iran, time and time again, leaders have said, um, we're going to annihilate um, the U.S. and Israel. So, um, so now getting to, um, to Europe, um, France, France, Britain, Germany, China, and Russia, um, well, France and Britain and Germany in regard to Europe, the European Union, as well as China and Russia, have stayed in the pact, in this um, pact with Iran, vowing to save it despite the U.S. having uh, restored sanctions against Iran. And um, they, this week there were meetings to discuss some kind of a barter mechanism that they hope may allow Iran to circumvent the U.S. measures. So, I don't know, they're going to, um, I guess, trying to um, do something to, to make the U.S. Uh, the U.S. sanctions not be as strong. And, uh, and in this speech, part of the speech was Netanyahu criticizing Europe for doing so. So now, um, um, so now there have been some, um, you know, there's a question, would, how close would 
really the question is how, how soon would Iran um, attack the US, uh, perpetrate a terrorist attack against the US? Now, there was recently a, something posted on Instagram from uh, Iran's special operations force that showed uh, a man, the leader of this force, the commander, uh, holding a walkie-talkie while the White House is engulfed in flames behind him. And there was a caption that read, we will crush the USA under our feet. So, I mean, they're not kidding, folks. <laughs> they haven't given up. It's not like, uh, it's not like suddenly Iran and terrorists have, have decided, ah, this is too much trouble. <laughs> we'll forget it. They are still planning to attack us, okay? Again, while we were just trying to decide um, whether uh, Christine Ford was telling the truth or, you know, listening to all of these things. By the way, about, in terms of telling the truth, by the way, there were lots of things where um, the prosecutor caught her in lies. The most obvious was where she talked about how uh, this alleged sexual assault caused her, one of the effects was to cause her to not be able to fly. She had fear of flying because of claustrophobia. And then it turned out that she had been flying all over the world uh, to surf, which is another thing that someone who had been sexually assaulted wouldn't typically do. Uh, although, as I said, I do think she was just not by Kavanaugh. But um, a surfer, you know, that being, that's taking, that's being in the, that kind of risky situation is not someone, not something that someone would do who typically, typically, if they have PTSD from a sexual assault. Just saying. So, um, you know, the question is, so not only are they not giving up, but they're actually in the U.S. earlier in 2018, um, there have been reports from intelligence officials and former White House officials. Uh, they testified before Congress that an Iranian-supported attack on U.S. soil is not just fiction, not just, you know, a fantasy. They acknowledged, quote, we do face a threat unquote, due to the existence of, quote, sleeper cells, unquote, within the U.S. directed by Iran and or Hezbollah. So again, this is not fantasy, folks, and we should be paying attention, at least equal, if not more, <laughs> attention to what is going on at the U.N. and what is going on all over the world, as I mentioned, the Netherlands, um, Belgium, uh, the Palestinian Authority, all of these things. And I, you know, I, I, there were more. I, this is a potpourri of the uh, highlights that I selected as highlights. Certainly the UN speech uh, is the most important highlight. And we can't, just like, I guess the moral of the story is, just like Belgium donated the money to the Palestinian Authority, and then they went home and turned their back, and then the Palestinian Authority named the schools after terrorist martyrs. We can't turn our backs. We can't stop paying attention to what is going on in the world of terror. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist.
If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.